Well, hello everyone and welcome to our morning service here. Uh, before we get started and move on to uh, the worship music, just a couple quick announcements. Um, first off, obviously, you know, today, if those of you may be listening later on to this, maybe weeks or months later, we have the Ironman going on right now in uh, La Quinta. So we're, we're meeting via the uh, internet here, live stream and on YouTube. But just a couple quick announcements. Um, all this month of December, all right, we're back to one service, okay? One service, 9.30, and starting next week, we'll be meeting in person. So I want to encourage you with that. And then also for our uh, angel tree, you know, many of you have been bringing back your gifts and all that. What they're looking for are some gift wrappers. So if you're good at wrapping gifts and good with working with tape <laughs> and wrapping paper, they could sure use your help. Uh, so just go to the website. There's a deal there that just says uh, for Angel Tree and just say, hey, listen, I'm interested in coming and help, uh, help gift wrap all these gifts. It's going to be a couple hundred of them. So I just want to encourage you to do that. All right, let's uh, get on. Let me open up in, uh, in prayer and we'll get on with our uh, worship this morning. So Father, we uh, just come before you today uh, as we ask that you just open up each and every one of our hearts to the word that you have prepared for us all to receive. May we right now just set aside our concerns of the day and let you speak to us. Amen. All right, well, today we're going to be talking about angels. Yeah, that's right. I call the message Angels, Angels Everywhere. And I thought, you know, this is a great time to talk about angels because they're all over Scripture and especially during this period of, our, of Christ's birth. So I thought we'd talk about first, I mean, so what are angels, have you ever asked yourself, what are angels really like? Can I tell you, there is numerous wrong ideas that have been presented in movies and in recent literature concerning angels that need, well, it needs to be exposed because it's not true. Because you see, angels don't shoot arrows and make people fall in love. And there isn't a struggling angel out there who's finally getting his wings every time we hear a bell ring. <laughs> and they don't play baseball in the outfield and they don't play harps and sit on clouds, okay, in heaven. Uh, they're definitely not dead human beings trying to earn a second chance back on earth or trying to earn their entrance into heaven by doing good deeds for God while they're stuck in the limbo state between heaven and earth. And although they can take on other appearances, they normally don't look like Della Reese or Michael Landon or maybe some of those precious moments figurines that you may have or seen. Nor do they normally appear as Clarence with his flush face trying to help Jimmy Stewart live a wonderful life. Or maybe even like John Travolta hiding his wings under a trench coat. So what is true about angels? Well, I can tell you right off the bat here, they're real. They're not just wisps of wind or imaginary creatures like fairies or leprechauns. Uh, they don't have flesh and blood bodies, but they're not make-believe either. They usually operate unseen, but they can appear as flesh and blood creatures if it fulfills their purpose at that time. So it's really important to remember, okay, that they are created beings. You know, Nehemiah 9.6 tells us, you alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them all and the angels of heaven worship you. You know, the Apostle Paul told us in Colossians 1, he said, He is the image, Christ, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
for by him all things are made. You get that? All things, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So this is important. Angels are created beings. They are limited in their power only to what God allows them to employ. What's interesting is they are aware of spiritual warfare and the activity happening here on earth. I mean, Jesus tells us in Luke 15, he says, In the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. See, look at that. They even hold a celebration in heaven when someone accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior. That means they know what's happening on the spiritual warfare front and what's happening in our lives. You know, and angels are assigned to protect you during times of spiritual warfare. Did you know that? Well, just think about just, just like with Elisha. Elisha had angels assigned to protect him. So do we. You know, in, uh, in, in Hebrews we read, and speaking of angels, he says, he makes his angel spirits and his servants flames of fire. You see, in our story with Elijah, he's surrounded by an army. Uh, his servant that, that is with him is very fearful. I mean, there's this king that's been after Elijah. Every time they go to move on Israel, God speaks to Elijah and warns Israel. So, this, so the attacks never happen the way that this king wants. Well, he finally gets Elijah and he circles in around him. Okay, and Elijah says to his servant, don't fear. For those who are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elijah prays and he says this, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he can see. Elijah's, Elijah's servant was afraid because, you see, with his physical eyes, things didn't look very good. They looked very grim. And Elijah's antidote, his antidote to fear was asking God to open the servant's eyes so that he could see the angelic realm. Well, let, let's, let's just read about it, 2 Kings here. Now, when the intended of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the whole city. And his servant says, man, this is hopeless, my master. What are we going to do? And he says, don't be afraid. For those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and he said, Lord, please open his eyes so that he can see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and full of chariots of fire all around Elijah. See, it's important to notice here, they were, they were just so numerous. There were so many angels and chariots of fire. It covered the whole mountain. You know, and as, as we walk down this whole angel deal here, there are different kinds of angelic beings. And they all have varying roles and varying authority granted to them by God. I mean, first we have the angel of the Lord. In Exodus 3, 2, it, it states, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not being consumed. See, there are a few ideas about this statement, about the angel of the Lord that have been offered as to what kind of being this is, this angel. See, some believe this is a unique and special agent of God who appears infrequently, exhibiting unusual power and authority and instilling in all who meet him the sense that they're actually in the very presence of God. Then there's others believe that during the writing, the interpreting of Scripture, the writers or, or the interpreters wouldn't bring themselves to refer to the name or person of the Lord. So they use this title as a euphemism for the Lord himself. 
So under this theory, it was the Lord himself who fought battles accredited to the angel of the Lord. It was the angel of the Lord himself who wrestled with Jacob, etc., and so on. Then some believe the word the, like the angel, is synonymous with an, the angel of the Lord, meaning that every angel could be referred to as the angel of the Lord at that particular moment in time, whatever God decided he wanted to do. Now, there's another kind of angel. And I know you've heard of this one before. It's called an archangel. And in 1 Thessalonians, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Did you know arch and archangel means chief or principal or great? Some believe that there were three archangels at one time. You had Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel. However, neither Lucifer nor Gabriel were not even one time referred to as archangels. The chief angel, the only one referred to as the archangel in scripture is Michael. And you know what his name means? You know what it means, who is like God. Then you've got the seraphims. And Isaiah, it says the seraphim were standing above him, each having six wings. Well, can you imagine? Each having six wings, with two each covered his face, and with two each covered his feet, and with two each flew. See, seraphim is a plural word. See, it's important to remember in Hebrew, anything ending in I-M, M, is plural. So there's more than one. So the seraphim are pictured as being above the throne in heaven and described as indescribably beautiful. The word seraphim actually comes from the Hebrew root that means burning ones. So you see, fire is a metaphor used many times in scripture to describe holiness. It implies purity, light, brightness, and glory. These angels are described in Isaiah as having six wings, like I said, two covering their face, two covering their feet, and the two they can fly with as well. See, their function is to proclaim the majesty of God and the holiness of God and to lead the worship of God in heaven. Then we've got the cherubims. You know, in Genesis 3, it says, So he, they meaning God, drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. You see, the cherubim, plural again, because of the I am, are sometimes referred to as the living creatures in heaven. They are pictured as being next to the throne of God. They're actually described as having, having feet and hands as well as wings. They're also described in Isaiah, are you ready for this? Isaiah said they're having four faces, okay? They have four different faces. The four faces are that of a lion, an eagle, a bull, and a man. Some have surmised that they represent all living beings. Beings that are wild would be the lion. Beings that are domesticated on the other side of the face would be a bull. Beings that are not landlocked would be the eagle. And, uh, and then, of course, mankind, the face of man. You see, their function is to bring attention to the righteousness and holiness of God. They're not like all the others. I mean, they're nothing like, like you and I maybe have, have pictured cherubims, you know, when you see those precious, precious moment figurines. Remember, it was the cherubim who guarded the Garden of Eden. It was the cherubim who are described as guarding the entrance into the holy place of the tabernacle in the wilderness and in the temple in Jerusalem. Cherubim 
were depicted in the fabric of the curtains of the tabernacle and on the walls of the temple in Jerusalem. And it was also two cherubim who are depicted as part of the gold sculpture on top of the Ark of the Covenant with the wings of the two cherubim touching each other above the gold-plated box that contains the two stones of, do you remember what was in the box? Ten Commandments, the rod of Aaron, and the sample of manna from the wilderness. And then we have Lucifer. You know, in Mark 1, it says, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were serving him. You know, we usually refer to Lucifer by the name Satan, or simply refer to him as, well, the devil. He's merely an angel. He's not equal with God, okay? I mean, remember this. Satan is no way an equal foe to God. God is the creator. It's important to hang on to remember, Satan is merely a created being. So, however, make no mistake, he's real. Satan's real. He exists, and he's active in his efforts to accomplish his own causes. He has absolutely no power over believers. Let me say it again. He has absolutely no power over believers unless we fall for his lies and believe him to have power. He doesn't really possess at all. You know, he is clearly presented in Scripture as being one of the most beautiful of God's creation, one of the most beautiful ones. You know, but of course, you know the story. He led a rebellion in heaven, persuaded one-third of the angels in heaven to join him in a revolt, a revolt designed to put him in charge instead of God. And as a result, God cast Satan out of heaven along with the third of the angels who followed Satan. Hence comes the term falling angels, fallen angels. They had been assigned to earth as they await the end of time to live in a place God designs especially for them, hell. Hence the term, hell's angels. You know, ever since Satan's fall, as early as the Garden of Eden, Satan has opposed the work and the mission of God on earth, and he continues to oppose it right now today. He is described as being crafty, persuasive, and a liar. In fact, he, Scripture says he is the author and father of lies. And, you know, it's just important to know Satan can morph his appearance, and he can influence circumstances. He can entice people to rebel against God, just as he did himself. And then, of course, you know, we have the demons. You know, in Luke 4, we hear demons also were coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. These are the fallen angels. The third of the angels who were cast out of heaven and cast down to the earth for the time being. They serve under the leadership of Satan, and they stand angrily opposed to the work of God. Then we have messenger angels, or sometimes referred to as ministering angels. In Hebrews 1, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to provide service for the sake of those who shall inherit salvation? These are who we usually mean when we talk about angels. Maybe you've been listening to this and listening to all the different answers, but go, well, what angels, what do they exactly do? Well, one thing they do is they proclaim the message of God. You know, this is a familiar passage to all of us. But it's an example of angels functioning in this first role as messengers. We find this in Luke 2. And so the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior 
people is Christ the Lord. You know the Hebrew word for angel is malak? Malak. And that means message or messenger. So in a very real sense, serving as God's messengers is actually the primary role of angels. And there's numerous examples of scripture of angels acting as messengers. Let me look. In Luke, the angel Gabriel proclaims to Mary that she's been chosen by God to be the mother of the Messiah. Uh, you got in Matthew, Gabriel assures Joseph that the child within Mary truly was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then Luke, the angel of the Lord, accompanied by a host of angelic creatures, that's the heavenly hosts in another term, used to describe the angels of God, proclaimed to the shepherds that Jesus has been born in Bethlehem. Then at Jesus' tomb, the angel of the Lord proclaims to the ladies arriving on Easter Sunday morning that Jesus isn't here any longer, for he has risen just as he said he would. And then at Jesus' ascension into heaven from the Mount of Olives, remember two angels appear to the disciples and tell them that Jesus is going to return to earth in the same manner that he left and exactly to the same place. You see, angels also protect and assist in the work of God. You know, we find one example in 2 Chronicles, and the Lord sent an angel who destroyed every warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. Then in Daniel, it says, Then Daniel spoke to the king, and he says, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, since I was found innocent before him. And also towards you, O king, I've committed no crime. You see, when God promises that all things will work together for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose, part of how, part of it, Part of how he works all things together is through his angels who actually watch out for us, who are watching over us like his agents to fulfill his purposes. Maybe you remember some years ago, I think it's probably 20 years, Amy Grant sang a song that she wrote about angels and it really had so much truth in her song. These are the words. It says, God only knows the times in my life was threatened just today. A reckless car ran out of gas before it came my way. Near misses all around me, accidents unknown. Though I never see with human eyes the hands that lead me home, but I know they're all around me all day and through the night. And when the enemy's closing in, I know sometimes they fight to keep my feet from falling. I never turn away. If you're asking what's protecting me, you're going to hear me say, he's got his angels watching over me every move I make. Angels watching over me. Every step I take, angels watching over me. Can you see Amy's lyrics match up with the Bible about the protection, the protecting function of God's angels, protecting us, God's kids, from the work of the enemy? And then we come to one, the guardian angels. How about guardian angels? You know, the idea of a guardian angel is popular in Western culture. This is an angel that's assigned to protect, encourage, and guide individual faithful human beings. It's comforting to think that there's a presence that follows us, keeping a divine eye on our daily activity, keeping us safe and well. Well, but what does Scripture actually say about this? Does it say there's guardian angels? Does God actually assign each of us an angel to watch over us? Is it possible that each of us have our own? Well, I mean, let's look at Matthew 18. This is Jesus speaking here. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I say to you that there are angels in heaven. Continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. 
This is Christ speaking. He's recognizing the existence of guardian angels and possibly those assigned to individuals. He stated that these angels always see the face of God. This is important because you see angels are superior to man, but they're not om omnipotent. They do not know all things at all times. God, however, does. And so if our angels are in constant communion with God at all times, they know when we have a need. They know when we hurt or when we stray. I mean, just look at Psalms 91. For he will give his angels orders concerning you and me to protect you in all your ways. Psalms 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Hebrews 13, 2. Do not neglect hosp hospitality to strangers, for by this some of you have entertained angels without ever even knowing. How about Hebrews 1, 14? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to provide service for the sake of those who inherit salvation? And how about this? We have Peter's miraculous escape from prison. We have a chance you need to read the whole thing in Acts 12. But it, the angel aided Peter. Peter's asleep in a cell and he's woken by an angel who causes his chains to fall off, off of his wrist and then accompanies him on a safe journey out of the city. The guards have no knowledge of, of his escape until the next day. So when he arrives at the home of Mary, the mother of John, and he has the servant inform the others of his presence, those in the home don't believe the servants exclaim, it, it must be his angel, rather than it being Peter himself standing outside the gate. Well, this is important because it's indicative of the common belief of the Jews at the time. They believed that every Israelite had a guardian angel assigned to them, and that this angel often appeared as the person that they protected. Psalms 34, 6 and 7. This wretched man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Now listen, angels provide for and minister to the people of God. You know, many times they do so without us even knowing it was an angel that helped us, right? I mean, many have reported of times when a stranger out of nowhere shows up to provide food or money or to change a flat tire. Someone, we, someone we've never met and can never find again once they're done with their good deed. Bible also describes many incidents when angels assisted and their identity was clearly revealed as they were an angel from God. Angels ministered to Elijah after his encounter with Jezebel. The angel, I mean, they brought him food and water and gave him rest. Remember after Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, angels came and ministered to Jesus. During Jesus' intense time of grief and prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, angels ministered to him and encouraged him. And you know what? There's something else too. Angels pronounce and accomplish the judgment of God. Oh yeah, look at Matthew 13 here. This is Jesus. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and remove the wicked from among the righteous. Then in Matthew 16, for the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his, that's right, angels and will then repay every person according to his deeds. So in close, it's important to know and remember what we've learned here today. See, we need to give our primary attention to Jesus, all right? Not spend our time looking for angels. And it's even more important to move forward and put our, fo put our focus, devote all our attention to serving Jesus. Not worrying about demons or what the devil would like for us to spend our time doing. And then we, we too should be God's angels. Have you thought about it? We should be God's angels. 
We should be God's messengers, proclaiming the good news of the gospel to the world. Remember in Acts 1 when Jesus said, but you, that's you, who have called upon the name of Jesus, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria, and as far as the remotest part of the earth. You see, God's message and responsibility for spreading it has been handed over to us. So we too need to protect and watch out for one another, okay? Especially during these holidays and especially coming off this year of the 2021 and 2020. And we need to be there and defend one another. You know, in Galatians 6, it said, make sure you bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfilling the law of Christ. You know, it's important as God's family, we need to watch out for one another. We need to protect one another. You know, sometimes protecting one another means holding one another accountable, out of love, so that we stay strong, that we avoid the pitfalls and mistakes that can cause us harm and cause harm to the rest of the family and or actually the cause of Christ. And finally, we too need to provide for and minister to one another. You know, in 1 Peter 4, he says that each one has received a special gift employ it in serving one another as God's stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. So let me ask you, why not free up the angels from having to come to the aid of believers? How about we assist one another ourselves, prompted by the Holy Spirit, urged on by the compassion of the Lord brings into our hearts? Let's be tender-hearted and forgiving. And finally, it is important to remember that all power flows down from God. The angels are his servants, his hands that he sends down to care for us. When we pray, we should direct our supplications and our prayers to the Father, to the one who created us, the one who actually knows us the best. Angels are superior beings, but they're not all powerful, and they cannot hear all prayers at all times. Only God can do this. So send your prayers for angelic protection up to God and you'll ensure that you'll receive it. So Father, I want to uh, just thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your, these angelic beings that you have created to serve you in so many ways and so many directions. So Father, as we move forward through this holiday Christmas season, Father, let us remember when we see those little precious moments, angels to realize going, boy, they're nothing like that at all. These angels are powerful, powerful creatures there to serve the Lord and in battle in any way possible and to help and guide and protect us. And all of God's people said, Amen.